1: great week. Hero is magnificent. Um, all this stuff, if you're here for the first time, isn't normally here. We don't normally have like a, a partial set of a Jerusalem city happening in the background. I know some churches do, but, but normally we don't. If you've never been to Hero, you're, you're really going to love it. It's it's not your typical church production. Um, it might be a bit shocking. So just going to remind you, if you have littlies, Perhaps don't bring them, um, but it's still going to be a heck of a lot of anything that they'd watch on Disney at the moment. So <laughs> make, make your choices. Make your choices. Well, I'm going to get straight into the message this morning. It is Palm Sunday, and I really wanted to bring you a word out of this story. Um, it's a significant day for Christians everywhere. This was the the outing the public outing of Jesus as the promised messiah. Up until this particular moment if Jesus when Jesus went places he would heal the sick he would raise the dead he would cleanse the lepers he 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 was busy doing the will of God but then he would say to people don't don't tell anyone. Just keep it to yourselves because the the time of my of 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 my of the revelation of who I am, that, that's to come. Uh, so right here in the, the story of Palm Sunday, we see Jesus in his glory as the promised Messiah. He, he rides on a donkey into Jerusalem and is revealed as the promised one. And I want to talk to you today about something that I believe is an issue of our times. I want to speak into the times today. I want to talk about... Our job as, as the church, as believers in this hour. So Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a colt, on a donkey. I'm going to be sharing from Matthew chapter number 21. I'm going to paraphrase just because it's a lot of scripture. So if you trust me, I'm going to retell this story, but you can follow in Matthew 21. So Jesus comes into Jerusalem. He has two of his disciples go get a a colt, a donkey for him. And then he rides into Jerusalem and reveals himself as king. And the the people are pumped out of their brains. Like this is a good day for Jesus. They're throwing their cloaks on the ground and palm branches on the ground for for the Messiah to ride across. And the Bible said that all the people were shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So they're they're loving Jesus. And Jesus needed this moment. He was about to go into the most intense week of his life. Can you imagine? You would feel maybe just a little bit schizophrenic that week if you're a disciple, especially if you were Jesus, because it went from the triumphant entry on Palm Sunday to the betrayal in the garden to the trial to the crucifixion and then the resurrection. I reckon the disciples were like not able, like how do we losing their minds? So it would have been an intense season for the disciples and of course for Jesus. But he receives this encouragement from the people. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And and he needed it. The, The human part of Jesus needed the cheer for God to put a divine word of encouragement in the mouth of the people around him. And literally the translation translation of Hosanna is save. So they were affirming him in his assignment today. Save, Jesus, save, you are the savior, save, save. And it's interesting to me though, in just a couple of days, the mouth of the chant uh, sorry, the mouths of those same people would begin to chant the complete opposite of an encouragement. Have you ever stop to realize how fickle the crowd can be sometimes. How on one day somebody is carrying the word of the Lord, a word of encouragement for you and you need it and it does your soul good and you, and you receive that affirmation, that encouragement as if it's coming from the Lord himself. But then five days later, those same people can be carrying a word from a demonic spirit. I mean, it's, the mind boggles. In less than a week, they go from Hosanna, Hosanna, save, save, Savior, to crucify Him, crucify Him, crucify Him. How many people have ever been in an experience where that's been your reality? From one week to the next, or probably, perhaps even from one day to, to the next, your head is spinning because on one end you got encouragement, and then the other you got a curse from the same mouth. It's wild. So the title of my message today and the question that I want to ask you is this, what do we do when the world changes its tune? You know, I think it's been obvious, especially in this season, that we can't build our lives on the ever-shifting sands of men's opinions and their affections. That's why we need a steady, firm saviour. I mean, you look at the culture of the world now, the culture of the, the cancel culture. It's insane. I mean, they canceled the My Pillow guy. He sells pillows. But Target still won't even stock his stuff. They're canceling, I mean, they canceled Pastor Yergin off Twitter and Instagram. Cancel culture is true. They're loving him one day and then they're cursing him the next. It's the nature of man. So, so how do we survive in the midst of that bipolar behavior? How do we not lose our minds when the world changes its tune? One of my favorite stories in the whole Bible, I love the book of Acts. It's the book of action. And if you ever get bored in your Christian faith, just read Acts. Like they were wild, you guys. They they. They they got up to all of it, and all of it happened to them. So the Apostle Paul, he's on his way to to stand trial in Rome, and and he's living his best life. Don't feel sorry for him, because the plan was always to go to Rome so he could win Caesar to Jesus. So every day was a good day for him. Hey, I'm not going to Rome on a cruise liner. I'm going on a slave ship but I'm going to Rome, it's all good. So he's on this boat to Rome, and many of you know the story. In Acts 28, there's a massive uh, storm, and the boat ends up being shipwrecked, and he lands on the Isle of Malta. It was a stopover that he never expected. And so they're on the Isle of Malta, and the Bible tells us that the natives were unusually friendly, and isn't that a nice day? (laughs) <laughs> we've just come out of a season where the natives have not been very friendly. But anyway, they're, they're gathering word for a fire. They're building a fire. And the Bible says that when they'd built this fire and the flames started to lick up wood, that a viper launched out of the fire and fastened itself to Paul's hand. And then he got some Taylor Swift action on him and he shook it off. And the natives, like they came up with this synopsis and this is where I really want to highlight to you the fickleness of man. When they saw this snake jump out, they're like, he must be cursed. He's got to be a murderer. He's cursed. He survived a shipwreck only to be taken out by a snake around the fire. He's cursed, cursed. (laughs) But then the Bible says that eventually when Paul didn't bloat up, keel over and die, they changed their minds and said, he must be a god. I introduce to you, America, the fickleness of man. In one sentence, you can go from being cursed to being a god. So how do we survive in a world that is constantly changing its tune? And and I know this is going to minister to you personally today, but I also want to speak to us um, from the perspective of the church's response. When the world changes its tune, how should we, the family of God, respond? What should the church's response be? Okay, you ready? Good, I'm ready too. All right. What do we do when the world changes its tune? Number one, we don't change our tune. Don't change your tune. Continue to do what's right. Continue to stand upon biblical principles Continue to honor God with your life and your choices. When the world changes its tune, we don't have to change our tune with it. In Psalm 119, 89, it says this, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven, standing firm and unchangeable. We're going through a season where people are trying to modify what the word of God says. And and I'm telling you today, it's a fool's errand. It's a terrible idea because it's this very word that changes people. And, and I want to be really honest and candid with you today. And I'm very sad that the truth is controversial, but it is. So I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say what I need, what I need to say because I've, I've seen the power of God's word applied to change a human life. How foolish of us to think that we can water down the truth or, or or, push it aside altogether and still be salt and light on the earth that God has called us to. Jesus said in his very first public message, if your salt loses its flavor, if you lose your saltiness, what good are you? And, and can I pose the question today to to the broader church, have we lost our saltiness? Have we lost our flavour? When the tune of the world changes, we don't change our tune. We stay committed to the Word. We keep loving people. We take people how we find them. No matter how you come, messy, self-righteous, we take you how you come. But because of the Word of God, you don't have to stay the way that you come. You can be transformed. You can be transformed. Let me tell you a story about a friend of mine who I met in New Zealand about 25 years ago. Her name was Marley, and she came to our church in New Zealand from an extremely broken background. She was uh, horribly sexually abused as a young woman, She was part of a gang and really used and passed to and fro by just the worst elements of society. As a result of that, she was compelled into a lifestyle of homosexuality. She was living a a lesbian relationship. Now, when she came to our church, did we love her and accept her? 100%. She met a church with arms wide open... With with people who were gentle and kind and loving, and because of the culture of our church, we were able to love her rightly. And through the process of discipleship, standing firmly on the word, even though the culture of the world had changed, and very much, very much. Uh, affirmed some of the things she was living in, some of the things that she was involved in. She came to our church. She found love and acceptance. And I believe that's an extremely important thing. But we don't change our message because of the people who are in the room. And and let me tell you why. Let me flesh it out a bit because I know we're in an era where we have to go the long way around. I, I, I believe that Jesus is a redeemer. It's arrogant of me and actually idolatrous of me to say, step aside, Jesus, your word and your power to transform is not enough. So instead of her finding freedom, she would continue to be bound with the lies And in bondage to the lifestyle that was robbing from her. If we're truly compassionate, if we truly love people, if we truly have a revelation of Jesus Christ, the Saviour, the life changer, the difference maker, when the world changes its tune, we don't change our tune with it. It's this word that untangles humankind from the things that are robbing from them. It's not even so much about right and wrong, as much as it is about what benefits and helps people. I want you to live free. I don't want you to be tormented. I don't want you to live with shame and regret. I want you to find freedom. And I know the only way to do that, even though the world may have changed its tune and changed its mind, is to stand firmly upon the Word of God that never changes. And trust the transformer, the Holy Spirit, to do his job in every single human life. We gotta be careful that we don't confuse compassion with tolerance for things that Jesus wants us to free people from, to show them the way. And I do, I am concerned that a, a perversion of justice, a social justice warrior ideology, has been able, allowed to creep into the church under the guise of compassion, and it's shape-shifted into something that it's not. True compassion is showing people the way to Christ, loving them through the untanglement of lifestyles and different things that have put them into a place where where they want their lives to be better than they've been. Why are they coming if they don't need a saviour? They can, they can find a lot of places to get a pat on the back. And I pray that we can give people more than a pat on the back, but we can introduce them to the bondage breaker, the difference maker, the ultimate liberator, Jesus Christ. I don't change my tune when the world changes its tune. Jesus was the most compassionate. The, the most compassionate. He wins the compassion wars. And yet he didn't pander to the sins that bound people. He saw sin as the culprit. You will stop being a crazy, woke social justice warrior if you truly understand how ugly and how brutal sin is on on a human life. The Bible says the wages of sin are death. Why why wouldn't I want to help you get free? Of course I do. I've experienced that freedom in my own life. And it's not going to happen by changing my tune and avoiding subjects. Nobody talks about that. Well, I'm going to talk about it because I care about people, because Jesus cares about people. And I've seen God transform lives with my very own eyes. And it doesn't matter how much the world pipes off about what's right and wrong, I'm going to stay committed to the truth of God's word and see him deliver, save, and set people free completely in Jesus' name. When we change our tune to be in harmony with the world, the consequences are dire. Can you even believe that we're having the conversation now about partial birth abortion? Like a baby being born? And then we're going to decide whether we let that baby live. I mean, what in the actual hell? And, and I don't say hell to, to offend you. I say it because it was literally designed in hell. It is, it is a hellish agenda. But, but how did we get here in such a short amount of time? Oh, 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 I know, I know. I'll let you know. Because back in the day... When, when the world changed its tune about when life began and the church decided we're not going to have conversations that could potentially offend people. I don't want to offend anybody. I just want to tell you, I don't. I, I, I love everyone. And if I'm honest, I want people to like me. I'm one of those people. I don't, I don't want to stir people up for no reason and I don't like not being liked. But I don't say what I say to offend people to offend lives, I say it to save lives. So that, so that in another 40 years' time, we're not having a conversation about why it should be okay to kill your toddler. And you, you want to laugh about it now. Oh, that would never happen. Oh, my gosh, can you believe what's happening now? And it's happening because when the church changed its, uh, sorry, the world changed its tune, Hosanna, Hosanna to crucify him the church in so many cases changed its tune with them. We are the difference makers. We are the salt bringers. We are the light of the world, the light of the world. And it doesn't come from an unhealthy place of judgment, but from a place of liberation. We're liberators. I've seen it in 30 years of ministry. I've seen people come in in all kinds of conditions, carrying all kinds of symptoms, and I have compassion. There's always a story behind a story. There's always a why behind the what, but we can't change the what. We've got, to be continue, we've got to continue to stand on God's word and lead people to true, lasting freedom. Somebody say amen. All right. I'm going to drink to that. All right. We'll keep going then. What do you do when the world changes its tune? Good girl. Yeah. Point number two, you don't allow hardship to make you hard. Jesus told us that when the world changed its tune, that we would be persecuted for our faith. And, and in fact, he took it even further than that. He said, you will be hated by all men because of me. He, he didn't pull any punches. Like he could have said, there will be occasions where people don't like you a little bit and you won't get invited to the party. But no, he, he, he's like, people are going to hate you because of what you stand for. Yep. This, is, this is another temptation right here for people to, to change their tune. And the hardness of the world around us can have us tapping out and make us become hard. Let me tell you what the world doesn't need. A bunch of mean Christians. And we've got to be very careful that in all our freedom fighting and in all our standing, that we do not become mean. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6, when you stand, uh, stand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. But we don't have to stand and be mean. What does your stance look like? Do you know what? The truth is enough. When you're carrying the truth, you don't need to be mean because you're right. I I can stay calm and nice under pressure. If, If your version of truth or Christianity needs a mean spirit and a pointing finger and judgment and nasty Instagram posts in order to get the message across, you're failing. Stop it. The world doesn't need mean Christians, it needs kind Christians. The Bible says that the world was drawn by God's loving kindness. And how, how are people going to get set free by the truth if we repel them before we even get to draw them into God? He was drawn by the loving kindness. I, I really believe we need a kindness revolution in the church, and, and I don't... I see how it happened because we had to warfare. But in all our warfaring, in all our standing, in all our enduring hardship, we cannot afford to become hard. You can be strong but not hard. What does it come down to? It comes down to a decision made by every individual that I am going to offer always my best offering to the world is an undefiled soft heart. Someone once told me at the beginning of my ministry life, Leanne, the best thing that you can always give the world and the church is the hide of a rhino and the heart of a marshmallow. <laughs> you got to have a thick hide. I'm telling you, you got to have a thick hide in this world. This past season, Pastor Jürgen and I were called every name under the sun. There are like almost no names left to call us. So in some ways, that's, it's good. It's like, oh, okay, well, that's over. Unless any new names and slurs are invented, I should be fine. I passed the test. But I'm 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 not going to let the hardness of the world harden me. I am not going to let I am not going to let somebody else's bad behavior change the way I behave. I am going to be kind. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to walk into places with a smile on my face. I am on the make Christian smile again assignment. Look, honestly, don't walk into a room like this, looking like you've been baptized in vinegar and lost your last friend. Everybody's suspect. Walk in. Hi, everyone. I I make a decision. And some of us walk into rooms and we look like we're, we're carrying a literal storm cloud over our heads and wonder why our life isn't having any influence. You've got to remind your face that Jesus is in your heart and then you'll find that it's going to be so much easier to have an impact on the world around you. When the world gets hard, when the world changes its tune, we endure hardship without becoming hard. And again, Jesus, our ultimate role model, on the cross in Luke chapter number 23, we see he's been through the most brutal week of his life. And prior to that, his other 30 odd or so years were full, were, were, were highlighted with moments of intense persecution. This wasn't the first time they'd tried to kill him. They tried to push him off a cliff once. That's intense. But we never saw Jesus' character and kindness change. He endured hardship without becoming hard. Mean Christians are a blight on the character of God. If you want to be mean, please join a different religion that better suits your worldview because it's not Christianity. Christians are kind. Christians are kind. You can be honest, you can be firm, you can stand your ground and you should do all those things but the signature over your life should be kindness. I think that... The fruit of the Spirit, as highlighted in Galatians number five, should be the dashboard of every believer's life that we're constantly referring to. How do you know if the Spirit of God is dwelling richly within you? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see those things operating in your life? It's all good in the hood. But, but we've got to have uh, a relationship with God where even if everybody around us, and this was, this was Jesus' story, ev- everyone turned their back on him for a while as he absorbed the sin of the world. Imagine that. And he's on the cross. And even when he was on the cross, he didn't get a break. The people down below are gambling for his clothes, yelling slurs at him, hitting him, like being unbearably cruel. Then to to the left and right of him, he had two criminals, one of them cursing him as he's dying himself. I mean, brother, like, get a clue. (laughs) This is the time for repentance, not the time. But even then, Jesus was unmistakably kind. The Bible says that the thief on the cross next to him turned to him and told the other guy to shut up, the cursing guy, and said to Jesus, Oh, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And even while Jesus was experiencing the worst of human brutality, he wasn't like, Oh, dude, I can't believe you're asking me that now. Now is not the time. The Bible says he turned to him and said, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. What an example. It makes me emotional. And, that, and that's why it's such an abhorrent wickedness to God when we are unkind, when we let the hardness of the world make us unkind. Amen, Leanne. And so I, I would say this. Here's the decision that I've made, because trust me, I've had it all thrown at me. I mean, your mind would boggle. You would not believe the stories I could tell you about the things that have happened. But, but now it makes me laugh. Do you know why? Because I come to God daily. I think if every Christian came to God to, to unload their grief, imagine how your life would change if, if just a few moments a day you, you took all the wounds and the hurts and all the things that people did and you allowed yourself to grieve rightly before the Lord. I I come to the Lord almost daily. Oh, God, that hurt me when they said that. Father, but I I choose to forgive. I I surrender my heart to you. Oh, minister to me, Lord. Minister to me. I think if every Christian did that daily, didn't let the sun go down on their wrath. Imagine if we did what the Bible said, y'all. The world would look so much different. We'd have less grievances if we allowed ourselves to grieve rightly every day to the Lord. And I made that decision as a 19-year-old. As a 19-year-old, I was in ministry with my husband in New Zealand, and there was a woman there who who did everything in her power to try to destroy me, to try to grind me into the dust. And I, I hold no... Anger or unforgiveness or bitterness toward her. She was literally just a tool of the devil. Just like these people in the story of Jesus, they go from one day, Hosanna in the highest, to crucify him. So there are people sent on assignment to do the the devil's bidding in your world, to get you hard. And trust me, all humans can carry a a demonic word in them. So that's why you got to be careful. Don't receive it. Don't absorb it. Go surrender it to God. Come to God. And so there was this woman who was, she, it was her intent, and I was only 19. I didn't even know all the books of the Bible all the way through. I, I mean, I probably knew nothing, actually. But I had the spirit of God in me, and I remember doing this very thing, coming to, to, to the Lord in my the grief of this persecution. And I said to him, oh, God, this hurts. It feels like I can't bear it. I, I want to run away. I want to go back to Australia, but I know I can't do that. I know that you've called me and I'm, I'm going to stay. Father, never let me forget how this pain feels so I never do it to anybody else. And I chose to forgive her. And I honestly think that's, that's why I'm a joyful, kind person. Not because I, I came out of the womb joyful, although I did actually. I was smiling when I was born. <laughs> But definitely enough, enough happens in life that can twist you, right? So what's the difference? I made a decision. I, I just made a decision. What does the Bible tell us in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23? Above all else, guard your heart. It's your job. The Bible doesn't say, and Jesus will stand in front of thine heart with a flaming sword to make sure every negative word is sliced down before it can penetrate your soul. He said, no, you've got to guard it. You've got to guard your heart, not close it, but make a decision. You're only going to allow things in there that are healthy and life-giving and virtuous and true. (laughs) Bitter Christian, two words that should never go together. We can endure hardship without becoming hard. And I've got to be honest with you. We've got to be a whole lot more robust. We are an offendable bunch, us humans. Paul said this to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 3. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Arrows are going to come your way. So make sure whoosh, you got that shield of faith. Bam bam. Bible says in the book of Ephesians, lift up the shield of faith to extinguish and quench every fiery dart of the enemy. How many fiery darts get quenched when we lift up the shield of faith? Every single one of them. Don't allow hardship to make you hard. So many Christians live with a broken, hard heart. Why? Why? When Jesus revealed himself in his first message in the temple, he got up and declared who he was. In Luke 4, 18, this is what Jesus said, his first chance to preach in the temple and he told everybody who he was and what he'd come to do. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. If you're a Christian here today and your heart is broken, you need to have a revelation of Jesus Christ, the heart healer. He's the healer of the heart and you must let him because the Bible says all our issues will spring from it. You think you're bitter, resentful, suspicious, angry, dysfunctional, messed up for no reason? There's a good reason. The world is hard sometimes. That's why we have to come to God, the broken heart healer, and let him wash away all the ire of the enemy, all the sticky words that men spoke over us, all the confusion, all the confliction, give your heart completely to God. Why can I still smile? Why am I so happy? Why am I at peace? Because of this. I don't have probably, well, I do have a really great life, but I think which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, clearly the chicken came first because God created it. But but what I'm saying is... (laughs) Do I have a great life because I have a great life? Or do I have a great life because I open my heart to God and let him take all the junk out every day? What do you do when the world changes its tune? You don't allow the hardship to make you hard. Come to the healer. Jesus is a healer. Amen, Leanne. And finally... What do you do when the world changes its tune? And I'm going to ask the the band to come up as we come to a close this morning. Fulfill your assignment. Your job description as a Christian, as a kingdom builder, has not changed. The world may have changed. The world may have changed its tune, but your job description hasn't changed. The world didn't call me and the world doesn't get to uncall me. I don't even get to uncall myself. I would live in torment forever. Oh, trust me, I I have had conversations with myself in my own head for like a minute or a day where wouldn't it be nice to have a simple life on an island somewhere? (laughs) Nobody wanting anything from me. Trust me, I would hate myself after like day three. Fulfill your assignment. Do you know why? Because one day the master is returning to settle accounts. And whether you have pastor in front of your name or you don't, God has given you a specific set of orders and assignment. And, And it doesn't go away because the world changed its tune. You don't get a pass because the world changed its tune. Jesus said, Whoever puts their hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for service in my kingdom. And that sobers me up real good. Because one day the master is going to return and he's going to come to settle accounts and he's going to say, Leanne, what, what did you do with the assignment I gave you? I could be like the guy in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 that Jesus spoke about when the master came back to settle accounts. And he said, oh, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you haven't sown, Um Uh, collecting where you have not scattered seeds. So I took what you gave me because the world was hard. Because the world changed its tune and I buried it. And I went to live on some little oasis island like a hermit. Hating people from my own Lake Me. I don't want that to be my story. When Jesus comes back, I want to be able to present to Him, Father, You gave me this. I may have only been a one-talent girl, but I'm giving it back to You with interest. The world was hard. It was called every name under the sun. The world changed its tune and there was some persecution and it was difficult. And yes, there was some inconvenience. Oh, but Father, it was so worth it. It was so worth it. You know, the Bible says that The wicked servant, when Jesus, when the master returns and and he buried his talent because it represented something hard for him to have to increase, that Jesus said, cast him out into outer darkness. Jesus, nice Jesus said this in the New Testament where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, That guy for eternity is going to live with regret and remorse over what he buried in his messed up state. We are living for eternity. And it's easy to forget when you become so entangled with the affairs of this world. But one day, and Jesus talked about it a lot, the sky is going to part, the trumpet will sound, The angels are coming down and God is coming back to collect His kids. That day will actually happen. When it does, are you going to be able to say, God, what you put in my hand, I stayed true to. I fulfilled my assignment. Nothing else is going to matter in that day but that. So right now I'm living for a future that one day I will see and walk into. And I'm not gonna be that knucklehead in heaven walking around full of regret and remorse, dang it. I wanted my comfort, my convenience, my fear, my anxiety, my quiet little uninterrupted life more than I wanted to carry the assignment of God. We are all kingdom builders in some way. You don't have to have pastor in front of your name, but God has given you some talents. He's given you an assignment that He wants you to stay committed to. This is the story of Jesus to the very end. Look at what the prophet Isaiah prophesied, Jesus speaking. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. This is Isaiah 50. Nor did I turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. Wow. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. And you are the helper today. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. What did Jesus do when the crowd changed its tune? He set His face like flint, and He fulfilled His assignment. He went to to heaven a hero and a champion. We all have that choice today. I know life is difficult. I know bad things happen to good people. I know there is hardship. I know there is pain and there is trauma, but don't put down the assignment that God has given to you. One day everything I'm saying is gonna make sense and you'll go, thank God, Pastor Leanne, preach that word. We'll sum it up this way. Paul said it perfectly in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse five. But you be sober in all things. When the, lo- the world loses its mind, don't lose your mind with it. Don't change your tune. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Amen. Amen, somebody give God a shout. That's the Word of the Lord today. I'd love it if everybody would just close their eyes for a second and bow their heads. I wanna ask you today, I just wanna have a response to that word today, just in the privacy of the bowed heads and the closed eyes. When the world changed its tune, did you change your tune? Did you change your opinion because of who was in the room? Because you didn't want to be persecuted? Because you wanted to be the nice guy or the nice girl? And instead of helping people find liberation, you just pandered them in their brokenness. If you've compromised at the point of standing firmly on the Word and all it means and the liberation that it brings, and you want to say today, God, Father, I repent of that and I want to give me strength and courage to be a genuine person, to not be swayed by the ever-changing opinions of, of the world, but be committed and true to your life-giving Word that saves people. If that's you, if you're just saying, yeah, I've compromised. When the world changes tune, I change mine. And I'm, you've shown me, Pastor Leanne, that it's not good and it's not right. And I'm just gonna make a declaration to God today, I'm changing, I want you to lift your hand. Beautiful, I'm proud of all these people. I am so proud of you and I pray God gives you strength and courage today as you go about living your life fully devoted to Him. Or maybe you're here today and you've compromised when the world changed its tune by becoming hard and you realized I've become hard throughout this season. I'm not as kind as I should be. I've isolated myself because of the brutality of the world. I have let stuff in my heart that I shouldn't have let in there. And I'm surrendering my heart fully to the Lord today and I'm gonna let Him minister to me and change my heart of stone back to a heart of flesh, a soft heart. If that's you and you're like, I've become hard, and I'm gonna release it to God today, I want you to lift your hand. Wow, lots of people. And I, I wanna tell you, there is no shame on you today. None whatsoever. It has been a brutal time. And so God is coming to you today and He's bringing softness and kindness in the places that you've been hurt and wounded. And the words, I believe there are, there are people here and words were spoken over, to, over you and they were literally an assignment of the devil. And, and those words are lingering on your soul like thick black tar. If that's you, lift your hand. Come on, I think there's a lot of people today. yeah. Right now in the Name of Jesus, I take authority over every wicked, demonic word spoken over God's sons and daughters today and I break its assignment and I break its power and I speak life over them today. I speak love and freedom over them today in the mighty Name of Jesus. Devil get off them. They will not come under that lie, that curse or that label in the Name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. And then finally, if you put down your assignment, if you're like, you know what, I'm checking out. I'm checking out. It's just too hard. The Lord is here today to strengthen you, to give you courage and to reignite the passion for His kingdom in your life and your heart. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Beautiful. I see these hands. Wonderful. Father, I thank You right now. Lord God, You would fill their hearts with courage. You would open their eyes. Let them see, Father. Let them see that this life is but a vapour and a life fully committed to You and the leading of the Holy Spirit is a one worth living because one day we're going to stand before You. Thank You, Father. Thank You for them in Jesus' Name. Amen.
0: Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen.